One Maritimes woman became something of a worldwide sensation for her remarkable feats fighting in the American Revolution. She was fighting not for the Americans though, but against them. Her heroics were completely overlooked and forgotten during that chaotic time, but late in her life, the public learned what she had done decades earlier, and the stories of her youthful acts became widely known all over both Europe and North America. You're listening to Backyard History, the hidden stories that happened in your own backyard. The podcast version of the weekly history column running in newspapers across the Maritimes with your host and author, Andrew McLean. Elizabeth Beard first became widely known late in her life, not for her own youthful heroics fighting in the American Revolution, but because of her sons. When she became famous, she was an older woman living in poverty in Fredericton, New Brunswick. At the time, Britain and Canada were at war yet again with the United States for a second time in the War of 1812. When that second war broke out, Elizabeth Beard's third husband, Sergeant Jeremiah Hopkins, and six of her sons, Samuel, Timothy, Robert, Nathaniel, and Archibald Woodward, and Nicholas Hopkins, all enlisted in the 104th New Brunswick Regiment. Despite its somewhat misleading name, the War of 1812 actually lasted three years, ending in 1815. In the beginning of that war, her home province of New Brunswick was not invaded, but the Americans did invade Ontario. The 104th New Brunswick Regiment that her sons had enlisted in was sent to go and help defend Ontario. That regiment went on an epic and legendary march all the way from Fredericton to Kingston, Ontario, over land in winter with snowshoes. In the icy February cold, marching over some 1,100 kilometers, carrying their supplies with them on toboggans. Despite the extreme cold, the sickness, and the shortages of food and shelter, they managed the entire march without losing anyone. It was the longest ever march by a British regiment in the history at the time, and was called by British historian Charles Lucas one of the great feats of that war. The 104th Regiment fought in several battles against the Americans, but was later combined with other Canadians into a different regiment. It was later revived during the First World War, when its commanding officer carried the sword belonging to the commander of the first version of the unit a century earlier. You can hear more about that in the Backyard History podcast episode called Fighting for Humanity's Rights. Glowing media profiles at that time lauded Elizabeth Beard as a strong wife and a tough mother. Reporters, however, seemed unaware that she herself had also fought the Americans decades earlier. By that time, Elizabeth was 51 years old. She had outlived her first two husbands. She had given birth to an astonishing 22 children, four girls and 18 boys. Sadly though, because of the poor health care and the grinding poverty she lived in, 12 of her children had already died. Elizabeth herself was not doing well either at this point. Her eyesight was failing and she was living in poverty on the outskirts of Fredericton. This was when her daughter Margaret penned a lengthy letter to Lord Palmerston, who was the British Minister of War in faraway England. 
Margaret recounted her mother's exploits in the American Revolution decades earlier and asked him to give her the same kind of a pension a British soldier received. Elizabeth had, after all, also fought in that war too. Lord Palmerston read Margaret's letter, and he was impressed. He mentioned Elizabeth Beard's exploits to the British press, and her story was widely published across Britain and Canada. And it was certainly quite a story. Elizabeth Beard's parents were British, but they had immigrated to Philadelphia. She had been born in Philadelphia in 1761. When the American Revolution broke out in 1776, Elizabeth Beard was Elizabeth Jasper, married to her first husband, Sergeant John Jasper. If you are doing some quick math in your head right now, you did hear that correctly. She was only 15 years old at this point. And yes, she was already married. Actually, she had been married for two years by that point. She had married a soldier at the age of only 13 years old. Elizabeth and her husband were both aboard a brig named Stanley, escorting another ship named Roebuck. They were headed towards the West Indies. But these two British ships were ambushed by three French ships. The French, of course, were supporting the Americans in their revolution, and they began firing upon the ship that Elizabeth was aboard. According to the Royal Gazette newspaper in 1811, whose woman editor named Anne Mott went to great lengths to try and tell the public about Elizabeth's earlier actions long before she became famous. During this engagement, our heroine assisted in serving one of the guns and received a wound from a musket ball to her leg. Much later, in 1870, Fredericton MLA William Needham described that battle in a speech in the New Brunswick legislature. He was an outspoken supporter of women's rights at the time, and he was bringing up Elizabeth's heroics while presenting a bill he wrote to allow women the right to vote. In his speech, he said, There was a woman who came out to this country on board of a man of war, and in the course of the passage the vessel engaged in action. Though there was plenty of gunpowder, there was a scarcity of wadding. When it was all used up, this woman took off her petticoat for them to use as wadding. Needham then contrasted Elizabeth Beard with the British nurse, Florence Nightingale, who was quite popular at the time. For the benefit of this country, she went to make the wound instead of covering it up. Despite William Needham's efforts to pass a bill allowing women the right to vote, his bill was defeated. It had 26 votes against it, with only seven MLAs supporting it. It would take 49 more years before women got the vote in Canada. Immediately after Elizabeth Beard's victory in that sea battle, she accompanied some British sailors landing on Cape May. The two ships were landing to allow the sailors to forage in the woods for food and fresh water. According to Margaret's letter, during the landing, 22 British sailors defected to the rebels, who were led by Captain Pinkett. They captured the rest of the British who had come ashore and were preparing to execute them. Scottish newspaper, the Edinburgh Evening Current, who in 1817 described Elizabeth as a valiant Amazon, wrote, By her means, she enabled them to escape. On their way to join the army, the party was attacked by the enemy's light horse. 
she was fired at and wounded in the left arm. Undismayed, she took a loaded flintlock and shot the rebel. She then took this dead American sailor's horse. Evidently a savvy businesswoman as well, she would later sell the horse to a British officer. This story more or less lines up with the historical record, although there's a slight variation in the numbers of people involved and the spellings of their names. Both of these are actually pretty common in anything to do with the American Revolution, though. Historian T.J. McGuire wrote in his book, The Philadelphia Campaign, that at Cape May, five British deserters joined the Americans under a captain named Plunkett. McGuire wrote that the deserters were indeed attacked by two unnamed individuals from ships named Roebuck and Stanley. While the shocked Americans didn't get a clear look at the two individuals that attacked them, it seems that one of them was indeed Elizabeth Beard. Elizabeth's first husband seems to have died shortly after. No records of his death survive, although again, this isn't exactly unusual for that chaotic time. The American Revolution dragged on for years. It's not entirely clear where Elizabeth Beard was at the time or what she got up to, but in 1781, she appears again in historical documents. By then, Elizabeth was 19 years old, and at this time, she is showing up in Florida. A British garrison there was surrounded and besieged at the Siege of Pensacola, this time by the Spanish. According to an 1817 article in the Quebec Gazette, she was by then remarried to Samuel Woodward, a private serving in Chambers Brigade. During the siege, she served at the guns and tore off strips of her dress and used them as water. The second time, evidently, she appeared in battle, once again tearing up her clothes to keep the cannons firing. The fort Elizabeth was inside was besieged for quite a long time, and it looked like it would continue to hold out for a while. However, an unlucky cannibal shot struck where the British stored their gunpowder and the entire besieged fort blew up. Any surviving British soldiers and their families, including Elizabeth Beard, surrendered. First, the survivors were taken to Cuba, and then later they were moved to New York City, where they were swapped for American prisoners. By then, the war was over. The peace agreement left the British temporarily holding on to New York City, but it would soon be handed over to the Americans. Thousands of loyalist refugees were trying to get on the relatively few ships left heading for Canada before the city was surrendered to the Americans. Her daughter wrote that Elizabeth Beard boarded a ship filled with refugees bound for New Brunswick when a catastrophic disaster struck. She had embarked upon a transport ship with part of the Chamber Corps and was shipwrecked on Seal Island in the Bay of Fundy. Near 300 men and numbers of women and children were lost. Though she didn't name the ship, she is almost certainly referring to the wreck of the Martha. The Martha was carrying 181 Loyalist refugees including, like Margaret wrote in her letter to Lord Palmerston, the survivors of the Chambers Brigade. The doomed ship was bound for Partown, which is now called St. John. 
the Martha was one of the last refugee ships to make it out of the United States, and it was likely overloaded with desperate people trying to make it to safety. This probably explains the discrepancy between the official log saying there were only 181 people on board and Elizabeth's claim that over 300 people were on board. The Loyalist ships leaving New York City were easy targets for pirates as they sailed on the two-week-long voyage to Canada. They would get boarded, and the pirates would take all of the little property that the refugees had left. Many of the refugees were black people who, if they could make it to Canada, would be free. In the United States, however, black people were considered property. When the American pirates would board the refugee ships, they would take any black people they found to be sold as slaves in the United States. While that was one thing that the now 21-year-old Elizabeth Beard didn't have to worry about, she did, however, have another concern. She was pregnant. Very pregnant. She would soon be giving birth to triplets. To deter pirate attacks, the Martha was sailing in a convoy with 12 other ships, overloaded with refugees. As they approached the Bay of Fundy, and they were finally outside of American waters, they must have breathed a sigh of relief. However, one of the bay's infamous thick fogs rolled in. The Martha became separated from the rest of the convoy and was lost in the fog. the ship crashed into Seal Island off of Barrington in Nova Scotia. At least 113 of the refugees died in the shipwreck, and it remains to this day one of the worst nautical disasters in all of Canadian history. 68 exhausted survivors of the Martha managed to piece together bits of the remains of the ship, strapped together with rope, and floating aimlessly around in the icy waters, hoping that someone found them. The survivors on that raft included not only the heavily pregnant Elizabeth Beard, but a dog. All of the survivors would later mention how the presence of the dog brought them a great deal of hope in that very bleak time. For two days, for two nights, the survivors of the wreck of the Martha floated on that raft. Margaret wrote about her mother's ordeal. She suffered unparalleled distress. Being pregnant with a child in her arms, remained three days on the wreck. Nova Scotian fishermen happened to find the survivors, and they raced back and forth from the giant raft to the shore, delivering boatload after boatload of survivors to the safety of land. While being transported to land, Elizabeth went into labor. On a Nova Scotian beach, she delivered three healthy babies. Two of those triplets were twins who later enlisted in the 104th Regiment. They both died fighting Americans in the War of 1812. Family legends say that Elizabeth reacted to learning the news of her two sons' death by delivering a speech urging people to enlist in the army and to take revenge on what she called the hated Yankees. After receiving the letter that her daughter Margaret wrote, Lord Palmerston agreed to pay Elizabeth a generous pension. 
It seemed that Fredericton residents already knew of her heroics long before she became world famous, though. The local Royal Gazette newspaper, which was then owned and edited by a woman named Anne Mott, had earlier published a lengthy profile on her. Anne Mott had written that Elizabeth Beard was a rare example of a damsel not in distress, suffering in captivity for want of a protector, but of one, through whose courage and consistency brave men themselves have been supported in danger and succored in distress. That was Backyard History with your host, Andrew McLean. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for another hidden story that happened in your own backyard. Margaret Hopkins, voiced by Stephanie Tate. Produced by Jordan Lozier.